Hey, this is Dali, and you're listening to the Fear the Sword podcast. Hello, and welcome to The Bottom, a Fear the Sword podcast. I'm Chris Manning, the site manager at Fear the Sword, and joining me is one of our excellent writers. He is David Zavok. You can find him on Twitter at David Zavok. David, how's it going? Hey, good. How are you? I'm doing good. So uh, let's start with the Plucky Cavaliers. You're the one who kind of got this ball rolling in my head. Um, and you're two for one after they played the 76ers the other night. You called the Cavs a plucky team. I think that is apt considering they were down. J.R. Smith, who's just not with the team. John Henson, who's like not played for them, but is a real NBA player. Tristan Thompson, Kevin Love, who was resting on the second night of a back-to-back. Larry Nance Jr., Matthew Glavadova. Those are six real players. Dengadel played like not an insignificant amount of minutes. Not a good team. Hung with Philly to late. Led late in this game as well. Frankly, I don't think that would have been possible several months ago for this team. Um, I I came with kind of impressed by that, and that's like a weird thing for me to say about a game that they lost and uh, a game where if you look at any of the metrics, they don't really look like they play actually played all that well. No, they, they didn't, and I don't think like the 76ers played particularly well either. They were really sloppy and sort of turned the ball over, but um, this was you know, one of the first times that we had seen the Cavs um, play without Kevin Love and still look like a real NBA team. And I just thought that was kind of, like, good to see, you know. I think everybody's sort of happy with how they've looked since the All-Star break. Um, I think they have the best net rating change of any team in the NBA uh, since the All-Star break. Like, they are over... Like, going into the game, I think they were over 10 points per possession better than they had been before the All-Star break. But a lot of that came love games. And um, they came out yesterday and coming off a win over the Toronto Raptors with Kevin Love um, to, you know, sort of try and force some of those turnovers and take advantage of some of those turnovers and just keep the game close um, was more than I think Cavs fans had any right to expect. What do you attribute them actually like being competent to? Because I've, I am not quite sure if there's like one, th- one thing or a through line that really does summarize that to me. Like, I just don't know if it's, I don't know if it's like anything more than inherent them trying and not playing like they hate playing. I, well, so, like, I just think there are, like, they're, they're, they didn't score. So the, the offense yeah. was not very good. Um, but I thought they did a couple things. Like, I saw one possession where, uh, and to be honest, I think the screener was Zizic. Um, but Zizic came up and set a screen for Colin who kind of moved to his left a little bit, but ultimately just sort of popped the ball over to Chetty Osman, like the most basic of NBA plays, like honestly. And Chetty just sort of confidently hit a three, and uh, Chetty was four of seven from three, still found a way to be inefficient uh, from the field. Um, But like they... They like maybe because they've done it with Kevin Love and they've seen themselves be successful. Like you're starting to see Colin be able to run some NBA plays, and even though his his assist numbers aren't really reflecting 
um, you know, a, a ton of, of growth in that area. I just think you're seeing them nail down some of the, like the basic NBA, you know, mile markers or milestones that they can like do, um, which, you know, Colin Sexton is 20 years old and I, 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 he's gotten to a point where he at least sort of understands. And, and actually like, I guess what I would say is I've seen Chetty and Colin like get in arguments on the floor about swinging the ball and where they're supposed to go and when. And like, I think that's actually a positive because they're confident enough in what the right NBA play is to get mad at someone else for not doing it. Um, and I just, I don't think that would have happened earlier in the year. I'm also just, um, I want to just for a second give Larry Drew a little bit of credit because I do not, he should not be the, the coach. I've seen like that, that is like something that was talked about on um, on Reddit recently, in the Cavs subreddit, that I, I don't quite see the value in that. But what I will say is I think that if they had a coach who couldn't actually connect with the locker room and, like, had the respect of a lot of the leaders in there, like Kevin Love respects him, Tristan, you know, he seems to um, – he's pretty steadfast in his in his media comments about supporting his players. He doesn't really say anything ever that is, like, an actual, like, soundbite critiquing a player. Like, he will acknowledge, like, that they have some issues, but he does not, like, say anything that I think is a, is, like, too brutal or could, you know – make a sensitive player feel like out of touch with him or something like that. Like he's a pretty player friendly coach. I, I just imagine like if they had someone who just like, like even if Larry Drew just seems all sometimes like he doesn't like love the fact that he's still coaching the team. And it was like three months ago where he was like, I don't ever want to be a head coach again or whatever. I do think like he deserves some credit in like actually seeing, seeming to keep things sort of moving, keep things sort of, copacetic as much as it can in what has been a crazy season and making this roster that has been kind of thrown together at least somewhat work uh i think he's actually having fun now like i I mean having kevin love back certainly would like be more fun to coach like if you're like hey we're gonna give you an all-star player instead of having to like rely on jordan clarkson back cuts with belly to initiate good sets like that's probably more fun for him yeah, like when you sort of realize you're playing with house money or you're not going to get like the payoff you actually wanted so you can just kind of have fun with it. Like I get the sense with him like he he knows what he wants out of an NBA team. He's seen uh he's seen people follow what he says. He's seen people not follow what he says. Um and you know, he, he, well, I asked him that the game that I covered, you know, like, and he said, you know, the hardest thing for me has been dealing with these minute restrictions, dealing with these players being out. Like, I don't think he dislikes the players. It's just, he hasn't had a team for a lot of the year. And I think like he gets frustrated having to deal with like Kevin being in and out, but like you said, I mean, it's so much better to just like have him out there and um, without any expectations. I think he he seems to be like like you said, uh, enjoying himself a little bit more. Um, I don't think they can really keep him for next year. No, I don't know there's if he no wants chance. to stay for next year, but like he clearly like connects with the players in a way that they will need to replicate. 
um, which I, I think I, like that's crazy, but it, I think it's true. Like they need to make sure that aside from, you know, X's and O's that whoever it is will have the patience that Larry Drew has had and will be able to talk to the guys like Larry Drew has. Maybe not as like a grandfather like Larry Drew probably needs to, but, you know, maybe on a different level. But um, if, if you're mad at what Larry Drew has done this year, I, I just don't think you understand what he's had to deal with. Can I bounce something off of you? Here's a theory or an idea. Would it be the worst thing in the world if, like, let's say they hire – I'm just going to throw out a name. Let's say they hire Jordy Fernandez, the Denver Nuggets assistant, was the Kenton Charcher coach, a younger guy. Would it be, like, the worst thing in the world if Larry Drew is, like, around as, like, the mentor to that young coach and, like, guy that can help that young coach, like, find his footing? Like, I, I, I don't know, like, the connections there are interesting, and I don't know if he's down for that or whatever, but, like, would that really be the worst idea? He's already done it. I mean, like, he did that for Ty Lue. But, like, it's it's probably, for him, it was different to do it with Ty versus ex-young coach on a rebuilding team, not what he joined last time. I think... I think it would be harder this time. Um, and again, it, it kind of goes back to the way that the Cavs have never done things. <laughs> but it's just, um, I want the general manager picking the players. I want the coach picking the coaching staff. You know, <laughs> I, I don't want whoever, whoever they hire, I don't want them to stick someone on him. You know, I think he should be able to... To, to pick his own staff. And if he says, you know, you know, Larry Drew did a great job and I, I want his voice, um, you know, for next year in the locker room. Great. But, um, unless, unless the next coach says that independently, I'm probably a no. Okay. So let's one thing on, before we kind of move on to our next little topic here. Um, do you think that the Cavs, you think there's like just something to the fact that they're playing you just I'm gonna just say that they're playing with more joy. Does that seem to you like it's something that actually is like a reason that we can't necessarily quantify that, but is a reason that they are actually just playing better. Like I, it just seems like having been there the other night when they when they beat the Raptors and, and the vibes coming off that team that night, it just seems like like they're sparking joy in themselves right now, to quote the the great Maria Kondo. All right, you're going to have to edit it. I'm sorry. Can yeah, you no repeat what you yeah. just said? Yeah. Sorry. I had like two texts. No problem. Um, <clears throat> the Cavs are playing with joy. Like, they just seem to be a team, like, after beating the Raptors the other night, are a group that is just exuding happiness in a way I have not seen in a long time from them. Like, it was pretty desolate earlier this season. Do you think there's something to that in the way that they're just a, a bit better than they have been? Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's a hundred percent correct. And I mean, like we had several talks throughout the year where, and I, I think you hit on it actually better than anybody covering the Cavs that I was reading. Um, just in terms of like, you would consistently say like, you know, a win would really help the mindset of this team or, you know, the, the, the mood in that arena is not particularly good. Um, and you know, people, you know, when, when we all, when we get wrapped up in numbers and we, um, you know, are, are looking at true shooting percentage all the time, we're not thinking about, um, you know, the, the pressure put on individual players. Um, and I think I, I usually talk about it in terms of like, 
young players not defending. Well, a young player is usually just trying to like figure out how to be a functional offensive player. Like, how am I going to score? What you know? What am I doing on this play? Um, wow, we have a shorter shot clock now. Um, there are like so many things that a young player is trying to work out, like beyond okay, I have to guard my man the next time I'm playing defense. Um, and I think you know it's a long season and it wears on you when you're not getting any good results and you're playing with different guys in the lineup every other night and um, they're still playing with different guys in the lineup every night but um, they all seem to like each other and um, they could have packed it in and and they they haven't and I think that's a testament to them. Take a quick break and then we're going to come back to get into a certain college point guard prospect that um, is going to, I think, draw some people's attention now that he's in the tournament. So stay tuned for more of The Bottom, a Fear the Sword podcast. And we're back. Okay, David, I'm just going to give you the open-ended question here, and then we're going to go from there. What are your Ja Morant takes? What do you think of Ja Morant? Um, I think, you know, my predisposition is he's a second-year college player in a non-prime conference um, that has the ball in his hands a lot. Um, but if you actually like watch him play a little bit, and I'm not going to sit here and say that I've seen a lot, um, the ball handling stands out at that level. And I think, you, I mean, like if you go to a high school game, you can tell who can handle a basketball and, and who can't. Uh, I'm not used to seeing somebody with control over a basketball as as he does. Um, so, I mean, he scores, and that's fine. Um, he seems to be a decent passer, um, and that's fine. Um, but I just I feel like, you know, Colin Sexton is, it has been really nice and really good. But if you're looking for that, like, ball handler that will be able to get people involved, I don't know if he can shoot or not, but he can dribble the ball, and that is, that's a big deal for me, and um, I think he's very interesting. You know, I don't, for me, I don't think he's a guy I would take super high in the draft. Like, if, if obviously, you take Zion if you can, and you worry about the rest later, you know, you have to consider you know, R.J. Barrett and some of these other guys, Jared Culver, you know, near the top of the draft. And that's sort of what the, the way Trevor Ignati pushes me. And I, and I think that's right from what I've seen and, and what I've read and whatnot. But where would you be? Where Like, if he is on the board at some point and he's like a guy that is available, where is there like a point where you would take him? And do you have concerns about him and Sexton? Or Sexton been good enough where like you, you aren't worried about, you, you would kind of pick around him in some way? Like, like, let me let me just like put this context in place. Last year, as a freshman, his he was assisting on thirty-two percent of his teammates' possessions, and he was turning the ball over. He was accounting every hundred plays. He was turning the ball over twenty times. He is he has raised his assist rate, his assist percentage from thirty-two percent to 51% and his turnover rate has barely gone up at all. His usage, his usage rate has gone over, gone up 13%. 
again, if you're passing the ball more often, if you're using more of your team's possessions to not turn the ball over at that level, to not turn the ball over more, like that's just, that's pretty wild. So he is making a major leap. Um, he's not, doesn't appear to be, you know, a great three point shooter, but is he's still been efficient shooting the ball. I mean, at that point, Colin Sexton, you know, has, looks like a nice combo guard. I don't, I don't, I don't see how you can say one precludes the other if you're drafting in that two, three, four, five range. You know, um, if you end up liking R.J. Barrett more because that's what your scouting team says, that's what your analytics team says, that's what your GM says, go for it. But um, I think what he's doing, even at Murray State, is pretty impressive right now. Like, I would certainly rather go in other directions, I think. Like, if I'm the Cavs, I am more interested in wings. I am more interested in guys who can shoot, who can kind of fit um, a solid basketball. But I also, like, I get the appeal of it. Um, I get the appeal of... Is it is it normal for dudes to have 51% assist rates? I don't know. I'd have to, like, really... I, I'm generally just saying, like, I don't know. Um, I... Like, like, I mean, if, if your view on him is like, you know, he's kind of this chucker getting points in a conference that doesn't matter, um, you know, I don't know. I, I, do I want somebody that's under six foot four? No. Like, it goes against all of my basketball priors to be interested in a player like this, but um, I don't know. Do you not? I have a little bit of Deion Kyrie flashback worry, to be honest with you. No, you should. I mean, like, uh, like I think the way Colin is playing right now is sort of what you were, you know, realistically expecting from Deion Waiters. Um, uh, so, you know, the the question is, and and I'm going to be really honest with you, I have no idea what Morant's personality is like at all. Um, I do think that Colin theoretically would be better at sharing the spotlight than Dion was. Um, I don't think with Colin you have any of the conditioning issues or anything like that. I think um, Colin is definitely very headstrong, um, and, and we like that about him, and it's what's allowed him to be successful and keep getting better this year. But um, I don't know. I, I would hope he would be able to play with Murat. But I think you're right. Like Ideally, you would want a – zion williamson or a like a great wing prospect but if it's not there and and jazz the best player you know i don't know kobe allman was just there watching him um which i feel like counts for something you know um wrapping up on, on this topic with kind of this question if he has like a big tournament and like just is incredible will that Will that shift your opinion on him? And like, what is like what he does in March actually going to matter you know, as as you think about him and evaluate him? I watched one Michigan State Duke basketball game in November of 2010 or 2009 or whenever it was, and knew that Kyrie Irving was the right pick. Um, <laughs> And Derek Williams did a lot of crazy things in that tournament and, and throughout that year. Um, and we thought 
Derek Williams game is where the NPA was going. But, um, uh, no, I don't, I'm not going to get real worked up about a couple college games. Um, um, are, are, you know, can you separate yourself? Sure. Um, and I, I think there are times where, you know, the NCAA tournament has lessons for you. I think if you watch, you know, what Kemba Walker did for UConn, um, but you can watch what Shabazz Napier did for UConn and, you know, you need to draw different conclusions because they have different abilities. So um, would it be good to see Ja do well against better competition? Absolutely. Um, but I think you need to, to trust your read on, on the skill set. And what I like about Morant when I looked at him was he just seemed to really have control over the basketball. And I know people just sort of assume, well, they're NBA players, they should be able to dribble, but that's just not, I mean, you, when you step up another level, that's going to matter. So, yeah, I think, I think that's right. Um, I, I will probably not take what he does in March super seriously, just because I just will feel, I will feel like it is like reading too much into something, um, and I will probably I would like look at that film. I will certainly probably watch him more. Like I've watched him a couple times to, to kind of get an idea. But I I will not, you know, probably deal too much in that just because I do not want to like put too much stock in the first couple times I've like maybe super closely paid attention to him play. Um, I'm also just like very just into I just I'm also just like into wings right now. Like I just think the Cavs should be drafting wings who can shoot. That's um, that's where I usually start from, you know. That's why I, you know, even like Kevin Knox does not look good right now, but you know, that's where I sort of came from last year. So I, I'm generally with you. Yeah, no, and I and I think most people are, but I I wonder if they get to a point where it's like, let's say they do fall and like Morant falls because like some team doesn't take him or whatever, like which you know we don't it could happen at this point. Um, that that to me is where it would get really interesting to see if they would go in that direction. Um, and I will say this: Jordan Zerm from uh, formerly BSPN Cleveland, host of the Great Rebuild podcast, did write about this um, on his Patreon page. If you subscribe to that Patreon, which you should, I he does a great job over there. Uh, you can read that article. Um, about that and i'll link that in the show notes if you're interested in that but uh, we're going to take one more break and then just come back to touch quickly on these last two Cavs games this week um, and that we're gonna see them play against teams that are also kind of bad so stay tuned for more of the bottom one two three okay dave which of these two games uh, this in these next as we go into next week which um, wrap this this next week because of the Mac tournament wraps up the end of a home st- uh, end of a road trip, excuse me, in Orlando Thursday night, Dallas Saturday night. Then they play at home, I think, against Detroit and Milwaukee Monday and Wednesday next week. Um, and these two of these two road games, is there one that interests you for whatever reason more than the other? Probably the Orlando game, in part because I like made fun of Orlando so much before we played them the last time, and they were actually playing pretty well, um, and the Cavs beat up on them and i think orlando probably didn't take them very seriously and so i'm sort of serious i'm sort of curious to see like they get another shot at the Cavs, and they're still sort of playing meaningful basketball and um we'll see i mean like i would assume that the magic would just beat up on us but you know if the Cavs are you know, have Kevin Love and they're they're playing well and they are still able to 
to to to hang with the team that is actually motivated to beat them i think that would be i think that would be interesting so i think that that to me is right um the Dallas game has the Luka appeal, which I think obviously goes without being said. You know, that it is that game also sort of is going to be what it is. Dallas is sliding right now. They're trying to lose some games, it seems like. Um, Luka has, you know, dealt with a couple small little injuries of late, so he might not be peak Luka as he was when the Cavs played Dallas and Cleveland. Orlando's just like a little bit better than the Cavs and has like interesting, wingy, bigger types. Kevin Love should also be back. And. You just compare it to what we saw from the 76ers game. I just want to see how they look with him there. And we're, you know, we're coming off um, a stretch where they've had some really bad games, um, going back to that Pistons loss not too long ago. But they've just, again, as we talked about earlier, been a little bit more competent lately. Can they keep it up on, you know, on this road trip against an Orlando team that, you know, again, does have a little bit more to play for in terms of its its viability and trying to just kind of round finish out the season on a on a positive note. Um, and look, the, these these games also will matter for for drafting purposes. Um, you know, if they. You know, I don't want to like put all the stock in that. I don't think they're going to be the worst team in the league at this point because the Knicks are just chef's kiss being just so atrocious right now but the Cavs are only a game and a half up on the bulls um for the third worst record in the league if they win two in a row here and the bulls like keep their losing streak going like maybe that becomes a little bit more in play which maybe doesn't matter all that much but it's it's something that is on the table to some degree yeah and i i would say falling out of the you know the worst three records would be not particularly good but um but but you know what I would say about that is the Bulls keep winning too because the Bulls have some decent players. So um, if I'm a Cavs fan, just keep enjoying the games, just keep enjoying the wins. We haven't had that many of them. Um, you know, deal with the lottery when it happens because you could get a bad result, you can get a good result. It's it is what it is. You can't control that. So wrap it up on this, Dave. Um, what is the Who's the player that you're just kind of over the end, end course of the season? We're going to get more into previewing the rest of the season um, next week, I think. But is there, like, one guy that has has done anything in the last week that has piqued your interest in them over the course of the rest of the year? Um, in, in maybe a negative way, I think Jordan Clarkson has been, like, pretty impressive given, you know, what his expectations, you know, were coming into the year. And I think he might have gotten himself to a place where he has some value um, via trade, you know, as an expiring contract next year, but also maybe as somebody who could help. Um, I think last night's game was not helpful uh, to the Cavs, the way that he played. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I want him to sort of maintain his trade value. So um, I'm hoping he can finish the season as strongly as he you know got it going and has spent most of the year so that you know if they if the Cavs decide that they want to come bring him back for his bench scoring great um because he's been good um but if if another team sees it and wants to bite that would be great too but if he doesn't play very well that that's less likely mine is um a tie between Ante Zizic and Tristan Thompson just because Ante has played well and look, I just want to see how many games Tristan plays. I just don't really have like a good answer for that. Yeah. There, there's not much time left. Where there's 68 games into the season, there are 14 games left. Like, is it worth it to even play him again at this point? 
again, I mean, probably like, you know, again, like maybe a team like the Lakers wants to trade for, for Tristan. Like, you know, <laughs> please, or, or, please or, give me Tristan Thompson on the real Los or, Angeles Lakers of Hollywood. Or maybe, you know, maybe the 76ers lose to the Celtics and, you know, I don't know, but you know, maybe a team wants him and they, you know, are going to want to see him be a little, you know, healthy before they do so. I, I don't know, but um, it's weird to me that they haven't just like said, no, he'll be out for another two weeks. You know, I, I don't get that, but it is what it is, I guess. The Cavs don't really do a lot of trans. They don't do the transparency thing, so. No. No, they do not. Uh, they don't necessarily owe anybody that, but that just that's their choice. Um, that's going to be it for this episode of The Bottom. Find all of your other sorts of podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. You can find David on Twitter at David Zabok, me on Twitter at CWMWrites, at Fear the Sword on all social platforms for Fear the Sword. David, as always, thanks so much. Hey, talk to you soon, man.